We have to stop this. It's awkward to look at you guys in the eyes. More confident saying these things when I can hide in my own little room and say them to the internet. Welcome to Things We Got Wrong, your general trivia podcast with a healthy dose of internet media things. I'm Ryan Bott. I'm Rachel Miller. I'm Stuart Hopkins. All right, well, we'll get straight to it. This is the 28th ever episode, and uh, it's Round Robin. We've been doing every other episode, and we'll start, as always, with Stu's round. Thank you. Alrighty, so my round today is on famous voice actors. So the way this is going to work is I'm going to list uh, several movies. And You're going to you... do the accent, and we have to Oh, God, it. no way. No, <laughs> no. Uh, so I'm going to list three, um, roughly three movies, or kind of give more of like a question-y type question. Uh, and then if you can guess the voice actor... Uh, or, yeah, if you can guess the voice actor, then uh, you get two points. Uh, I don't really have secondary hints for most of these. Uh, there's one or two for the more difficult questions for one point, but most of it will just be uh, two points or essentially all or nothing. Cool. I love it. Excellent. Uh, so question number one. This Star Wars actor was in both Studio Ghibli's Castle in the Sky and Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind. Right. Ryan. Mark Hamill? It was Mark Hamill. Ah. Also the Joker. That, that was the backup. He's yeah. such an iconic voice actor. Like after Star Wars, he's done so the Joker and he's done a bunch of stuff. He has a whole career as a voice actor. So. Right. Um, yeah, his like his voice in Nausicaa, I'm sorry, Castle in the Sky as General Muska was like uh, it's very similar to the Joker and just like that. Yeah, that like, like heinous. Yeah, that like, heinous sort of like villainous voice, and it's it's awesome. So I think that's actually where the Joker stemmed from was kind of his practice with uh, General Muska. Question number two. This timeless voice actor has been in countless movies. To name a few, he's been in Castle in the Sky, The Lion King, Aladdin, and Winnie the Pooh. Lion King and Aladdin. Um, some of them are minor roles. Him. Some of them are major roles. I can picture him in... I have one iconic person in each of those, but I... Oh, Ryan. Ryan. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey. It is not Gilbert. Oh. Good guess, though. He was both the birds, right? But was he? A, he was a bird in Lion King, right? One of them, yeah. Iago, yeah. Iago, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wait, this this person was also in Winnie the Pooh, though. You got to think. There's limited voices in there. He's been in several movies, um, but more in minor roles. Uh, but he's very famous for his voice acting. Second hint is he is literally. There's only been two voices for Winnie the Pooh, and he's the other one, other than uh, Sterling Holloway. Jim Cummings, if you've ever heard of him. I know the name. If you heard the voice, he's also Ed in uh, Ed the Hyena in Lion King. Uh... Um, in Aladdin, he's a couple of minor voices. In Castle in the Sky, he's like a, uh, a town leader. And then he's actually Winnie the Pooh. That's awesome. Question number three. This iconic voice was featured in Howl's Moving Castle and Monsters, Inc. Oh, um... Billy Crystal. Ah, that was yes. good. I was gonna say with Mike Wiskowski. Mike Wiskowski. 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 The Howl's Moving Castle voice acting cast is like every time you say that, I just think Christian cute. Bale. And yeah, that's Christian all I Bale know. wanted loves Hayao Miyazaki movies and wanted and just basically said the next one he makes it needs to get translated. I put me in any role, any voice I want to be in it. And it was perfect too for Howl. Like it's that's I mean that's my favorite movie. So oh, me too. Alrighty. Um, question number four. This next voice actor has been in The Emperor's New Groove, Monsters, Inc., Princess and the Frog, and Paranorman. 
I'm trying to place. I love Monsters Inc. I can't think of anyone right now other than Billy Crystal. Oh, um, Ryan. Ryan. Is it John Goodman? It is John Goodman. Oh. Oh. Two points to Ryan. Ooh, the only other one I could come up with. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Um, this next one has been in Howl's Moving Castle, Disney's Mowgli, and Pocahontas. Mowgli. Mowgli is the new uh, the new Jungle Book. I know which oh, voice it yeah, is. Yeah. I know which voice it is. I have no idea who the actress is. I'm pretty sure it's an actress. I'm just going to say oh, it's an actor. I'm just going to say Christian oh. Bale. It, is, it, actually, it actually is Christian oh, Bale. Yes! So he was Good in the original Pocahontas, Toby in Pocahontas, which is like the guy that's with John Smith oh, uh, for God. most of it. I didn't even oh, realize that. Wow. wow. Like when I was looking it up, like that, yeah, that was the, the cool fact there. Alrighty, question number six, and the final question of the round. This voice actor has been in Toy Story 3, uh, Porco Rosso, which is a Ghibli mm-hmm. film, Pixar's Cars, and the latest version of Dumbo. Mm-hmm. This is probably the toughest question of the round, Ryan. but I do have a backup. Ryan. It Keanu Reeves? It's not Keanu Reeves. Oh, oh. that's right. Yeah, I was, I was thinking the new one. I forgot that. He plays Ken in Toy Story 3, if you can picture that voice. Generic plastic. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, the second hint is he's also in Spider-Man Homecoming. I have, I have a guess if no one else. I have no guesses. I'm not good with names. <laughs> Ryan? Jake Gyllenhaal? It's not. It is Michael Keaton. That's, that would have been the other one. Had I, had I had my movies straight, I would have. <laughs> Alrighty. And that ends the round. And for some reason, I'm always surprised when I answer no questions, but I'm surprised by that. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess it's me next. So um, I will just continue with the movie theme, a little bit different this time. Today I have a twist on name that movie, or name that voice actor. Um, I want you to name the movie's composer. Oh, shit. Oh, jeez. To name a movie they composed, starting with more obscure ones, moving towards ones they are very well known for composing. If you can get it within the first two movies I name, you get two points. If I have to name the most popular ones, you get one point. It's pretty simple. Cool. All right. Okay. Uh, number one, Home Alone. Crap. I know this. You guys need the next one? Yes. Mm-hmm. Schindler's List also won <laughs> awards for the music. You guys better queue up for this next one because you all know it. Star Wars. Right. <laughs> what is it? Uh, John Williams. Yes, that is. That correct. was my first thought, and I just I couldn't <laughs> shake. I couldn't shake it. I, like that's the only yeah, iconic name I think of off the top of my head. So I was like, if it wasn't that one, then I have to come up with something else. All right, end of the round because there's no other. Okay. Can I Quest- can I look at my iTunes library really quick? <laughs> like- These are all. So I've only picked even the obscure movies. I only picked well-known movies. Right. So. Like well you will, you will movies. have almost certainly have seen all of these movies, almost certainly. So it's just a question of whether you can name the composer. Okay, question number two. So that was one point for Ryan there. Question number two. First movie is The Prince of Egypt. <laughs> I am getting so many confused looks right now. I'll just move on. Uh, the second movie is Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Getting warmer. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, and the third movie is Gladiator, which won a lot of awards for its music. 
I'm going to say the name, and you guys are all going to know it. Yeah, I don't have it. Okay, Ton Zimmer. Oh, oh no. damn. <laughs> the bad guy in which, Die Hard. Which, didn't he also do Inception? <laughs> yep. Okay, that sounds right. that's he what I was Inception. waiting for, and then, like I couldn't remember who it was. I think he also did Interstellar. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he did. This is also obvious now. Like, every one of these, I, like, right. I just don't have composer names. Right, and like... This was, uh, I was, I was making this round and my first thought is, I know for a fact that I'm pretty sure all of you guys know the answers to this. The question is whether you're going to be able to get it when asked. Right. My wife would do awesome at this round. <laughs> okay. Question number three. First one is Field of Dreams. The second one is Apollo 13. Also, I believe, won awards for the music. Can we get to pizza? <laughs> <laughs> and the third one is Titanic. It's uh, James Horner. I would not oh, have known. Yeah, I would not have known that one. Good for him. <laughs> I mean, I do things, and I think you know. You know, I feel like as I get to the more common ones, I would probably know it. Right. You know, I wouldn't know the obscure ones, but okay. Question number four. The first one is big. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I know the lead actor. The second one is Silence of the Lambs. And the third one is The Lord of the Rings. You suck. You know this because you've told it to me before. Mm. Again, another big award-winning music. Oh, God, I hate this round. (laughs) Is it just because you're not doing well? (laughs) Okay. It's Howard Shore. Howard Shore. Okay, question number five in this incredibly difficult round, apparently. These only get more obscure, right? No. There's well... got to be one for Harry Potter. There's got to be. Question number five. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know the name I of the composer. I don't know the name of the composer. <laughs> right. To make this easier for the last two, I will just name the first three movies. Okay. All right. Um, Big Fish, Men in Black. Oh, that's a good movie. The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, Sue. Go ahead. Danny Elfman. Thank you. Danny Elfman. Like, that's a name I would never think of, but as soon as you say it, it's right. He's done yeah. all right. of, um, what's Nightmare his on a, or, uh, movies. Tim Burton's. Uh, Tim Burton's. Yeah, yeah, he does all, all the, of Tim Burton's movies. Uh, Night, Nightmare Before Christmas and all that uh, stuff. Beetlejuice, all of them. Beetlejuice. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. yeah. Talking about Mike Keaton. He did. And, uh, the following one is my personal favorite composer. I always like knowing that. Do you have something to say? I thought I had a chance, but <laughs> still no. So, anytime I see his name that he's credited with a movie, I'm always very excited about it. So he did The Hateful Eight, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and he's most well known for the movie The Mission, which has the iconic song Gabriel's Oboe. Wow, wow, wow. Oh my gosh, I should know this. He is Italian. Mm. Trying to help. I think it's something Ligliawo. No, not even close. I don't know the first name. Is it like Alexander Spad or something like that? Okay. It is Ennio Morricone. Okay, Morricone. Way off, but I do know that name. I think we've reached halftime. Unfortunately, this was a much harder round again every single time. Still surprised. I think I've been doing really well. You won the last game. Yeah. You won two in a row, didn't you? Uh, I don't remember. We'll have to go back into the archives. I'm imagining some of the record. I am. Some old timey (laughs) library that we open up and we see the dust and we're pulling out shelves. Right. (laughs) 
It's honestly just a stack of papers that looks like this, because this is how I keep score, just right. on scratch paper. But, you know. We've actually had a duplicate question come up already. <gasps> no. Yes. No. Yes, we've had one duplicate question from my episode fault? three and episode, I think, 24. And yes, it was on you, Ryan. Oh, God. oh what, what was the come. question? I guess, yeah, so I'll, I'll honestly no. post that. Yeah, we've had one duplicate question. It's the only one that we found so far. Uh, I think it's something to do with the president's. Yeah. But yes, amazing. it was William Henry Harrison was the first duplicate question. I'll say, if you ever look at how I keep track of questions, it is just a scatter shot on it's simple a, note of like a thousand files with a bunch of different crap that, on them. So okay. I was surprised. I was actually planning on going back and writing out each question, and then we could categorize them to see what percentage of questions are in what category. And then also you'd have your list of duplicates to make sure that we could go through them. File, like it's just a Google Doc. But for our questions too. Well, you guys keep track of your stuff. I, don't. I do a bad job. <laughs> sometimes they're handwritten, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're handwritten, sometimes they're just a, a meandering list, sometimes they're nicely written out. Right. You know, in like right. a thousand years, they're going to find those handcrafted notes and fall and like they're going to be put under glass. I, all right, so I love the idea of like burying shit with like wild combinations to confuse future archaeologists. <gasps> Like oh, we I got wrong uh, time capsule. Yeah, like I just I I love the idea of like there's somebody that made a post online that was like bury me in a washing machine because I want archaeologists to be like what the fuck is this <laughs> like what happened here I don't know so I got to think of a good way to like die. <laughs> well, if you need help, let's Well, it's okay. Ryan has the best plan for a funeral. We're going to toss him off a bridge with concrete blocks tied to his feet, streamers tied, confetti. <gasps> It's important to me when I die that my friends and family and my loved ones don't spend actual money wasted on my funeral, but instead have a nice picnic together. So I insisted I would like cinder blocks and streamers so that when they toss me off the bridge at this picnic, I go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I am most excited about the name more than anything, but uh, this is every idiom has his day. Ooh. Oh my gosh. I will give you the origin of a common idiom and some description about it. You have to give me the phrase itself. If there's any topic I'm worse at other than ge geography, <laughs> it's grammar. Like, I can read fine. Like, that's not the problem. I just don't know what these terms I are. I never good. gave a shit. I went to Zoolander's Kids Who Can Read, read Good. <laughs> kids Who Can Read So every idiom has his day. Uh, this would be, like, common phrases. Like, every dog has his day. Okay. Things idiom. like that. So that's an idiom. Okay. It's a... It's a fictional, nonsensical phrase that in context means something specific. Okay, gotcha. And to the culture. You've heard okay. of, I guarantee you've heard of all these. Thank you. Uh, I was just telling Rachel before the show, without revealing the question, uh, we actually have said some of these and we've talked about them. So uh, everything is in the zeitgeist. He said this extremely vaguely. He said, we've said the title in a previous thing. Last okay. episode, we were talking about things and basically said some idioms. And I literally said, every idiom has its day. Nice. I remember that. So uh, just like every idiot, every idiom has its day. So uh, I have six questions here. I actually have a bonus one, too, if we want to get to it for funsies. But uh, you just have to call out and give me the phrase itself. Uh, I'll be a little lenient if the grammar is you know, slightly off, but the phrases themselves are all very well known. Question number one. Up until the 1800s, a common street fraud included replacing valuable pigs with less valuable animals and selling them packed and hidden. 
Once the seller uncovers the hall, it's all over. <laughs> Up until the 1800s, a common street fraud included replacing valuable pigs, which were used for sale commonly, with less valuable animals, and selling them packed and hidden from the buyer. Rachel. Rachel. Snake oil salesman. Not snake oil salesman, although that's good. Wolf in sheep's clothing? Not wolf in sheep's clothing. That's good, too. But, uh... Commonly, uh, people on the streets would exchange pigs as as common merchant deal and would replace them oh. with... When pigs fly? No. Would replace them with cats because cats were worthless and stuffed into the bags. Once the seller uncovers oh. the hall, it's all over. So that would cats be to let the cat out of the oh. bag. Cat in a bag does not equal animal when you're like <laughs> looking at like a group bulk buy of something. <laughs> So let the cat out of the bag for zero points there. All right, question number two. This nautical idiom describes when a sailor would go beneath the bow, which is the front part of the boat, to rest and recover, physically protecting him from the adverse conditions. This nautical idiom describes the sailor would go beneath the front of the boat to rest and recover, physically protecting him from the adverse conditions. Hit the deck? He's got tough. Not hit the deck. I don't know. All right, the nautical idiom from the sailor, literally retreating beneath the bow to rest and recover, physically protecting him from adverse conditions. Uh, we literally brought. I remember saying every idiom has this day because I had worked on this after Stu was sick and was talking about being under the weather. So a sailor, this came from nautical tradition where a sailor would literally hide under the boat to rest and recover, literally being under the weather, under the bad weather. All right, question number three. Before stuffed animals, these games were targeted to adults, not kids. Instead of getting a giant teddy bear, these were given out instead. But as we know, carnival games are far from fair, and this common refrain was said after a good effort at a rigged game. No one's going to get any of these. We're not ready for these questions. <laughs> Before stuffed animals, these games were targeted at adults, not kids. Instead of getting a giant teddy bear, these were given out instead. But as we know, carnival games are far from fair, and this common refrain was said after a good effort at a rigged game. All right, well, instead of stuffed animals, some prizes would go to adults instead. And uh, like I said, these are far from fair. So a, a good attempt at a rigged game. You almost got it. It'd be close. No cigar. But no cigar. Oh. It's good then. This <laughs> home just a giant downer. I don't think that's really good for you either. <laughs> Better probably. I like than these. A cigar. I just don't know. Like I can't think of the phrases. You just you just you just say them like in common, like in a in a conversation. You don't think of these. Right. But that's the thing. This is a history. Yeah. Here I am to write some complicated questions. Question number four. This origin marked one of the last of a farmer's daily tasks as the animals were easier to handle after a long day. Uh, this expression has been around since the late 1500s and is likely to continue until, well, you know. Rachel. Rachel. Bringing home the bacon? This origin marked one of the farmer's last daily tasks, which would be milking the cows as the animals were easier to handle after... And it would be the last thing that a farmer would do until he got to go home. 
So this expression has been around till at least the late teen, at least the late 1500s, 1800s. and it's likely to continue <laughs> well, you know, until the cows come home. So nice job, Stu. Two points there. Question number five. <laughs> Surprisingly, this isn't just showing dismay to somebody, but instead comes from medieval etiquette. After a feast, hosts in England would subtly signal that the meal was over and it was time for the guests to leave by serving a piece of meat that was not warm, it was lukewarm, as a polite way to communicate, you may leave now. I did not expect for this round to be so hard. None of us know the history of the idioms. It's not just the history. There should be plenty of clues within. Right. So, But it's tough. Let's say not warm meat. Oh, still. Tough meat. You give them the cold shoulder. Yes. A person would give them a piece of the shoulder meat of beef or pig or something like that, which is a tougher piece of meat served at a colder temperature as a polite way to let the guests know. All right. Two points of stew there. All right. Question number six. The last question of the game. Legend has it that the kings of Siam, now Thailand, used to give these to people that they wanted to punish. They were incredibly valuable and well-respected, but they were also so expensive to take care of that kings would often hope that it would present them, uh, that the kings would hope that the present would drive the recipient into financial ruin. Now, of course, this exchange is meant to symbolize a useless... Stew. White elephant gift. Yes. Oh. Dude. That's the cool history behind that one. For not knowing what an idiom is, I know a lot of idioms. (laughs) Legend has it the kings of Siam, now Thailand, would give these to people they wanted to punish. They were incredibly valuable and well-respected, but were also so expensive that the kings would hope that it would drive the recipient into financial ruin to take care of. Uh, now, of course, this exchange is meant to symbolize a useless or cheap present. I remember I, when I learned what a white elephant gift was, my brother went to a corporate party with white elephant gifts, and he got literally two pounds of pixie sticks. And so Amazing. gave them all to me as a, yeah, you know, as like an eight. And, and that was it forever stuck in my head because I was like, I associate white elephant gifts with sugar. <laughs> yeah, my parents had like a 12 to 15 year old box of chocolates. Oh, gross. That became no. it. Chocolates don't go bad for the most part. They get like the white filmy stuff. It doesn't make them go bad. Yeah. So they look weird, but it oxidizes. But, you know, but they made it clear because this one conspicuously had the expiration date. Yeah. <laughs> I have another story really quick, actually. So, you know, I'm from a big family, right? There's eight of us, eight kids. And we have a tradition. uh, There's several of these presents that kind of circle within the family. (laughs) So we have white elephant gifts that you have to hide or give anonymously to people on their birthdays, Christmas, other holidays for various reasons. Or when somebody moves, you hide it in the boxes that you bring to their house. Uh They include a tailless stuffed beaver with crooked teeth from Ikea, a set of the gaudiest silverware you've ever seen in your life, a handmade toaster oven cozy from the 80s that my grandmother made, which is which also has a picture of a toaster oven on the front of it, in case you forgot where your toaster oven was, and uh, a horrendously gross 
uh, dismantle the Yeti uh, ornament, <laughs> which hides in your Christmas trees at Christmas. Oh my gosh. And so we pass these between each other and you'll like somebody will come to visit and then you have to like check the area to make sure that they didn't leave something behind secretly. And then you pass it on. That's like my favorite <laughs> gift idea is the one that you just like sneak on to somebody that you've done for 10 years in a row or right, whatever. <laughs> right. This is, yeah, this has been going on since before I was born. I love that. That is the end of the game. This was so much fun. We please need to figure out ways to do this more often. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, all right, let's get to picks. Each episode, a couple of us give a movie, a game, an experience, or something cool like that we recommend people check out. I uh, So, yeah, so I have a pick. Uh, mine is actually a video game, which is almost all of my picks. Uh, but it is a another indie game that is a great co-op game. Uh, and it's a game called Full Metal Furies. It is a, I guess, essentially a beat-em-up, um, but it's a one-to-four player beat-em-up. It's on the Switch. It's also on Steam. And it is, it's interesting and it's different because unlike a normal beat-em-up, uh, each of your characters are unique. You can't swap between them. And you all have special unique abilities and movesets, uh, but it's working together that makes you succeed so well. The game is kind of a traditional Nintendo tough as nails for a lot of parts of it, which it's not so hard that it makes you want to throw the controller, but it's hard enough to make <laughs> you say, let's do it again. Uh, we got it this time. So is it's, this like those, is, what's the graphic style? Is it like 8-bit, 16-bit-ish? It's, it's yeah, it's 16-bit um, graphic style. So is it kind of like the old like Red Dragon, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game? Yeah, set to, it, it is, um, but uh, they're a lot more zoomed out, nice. um, essentially. And it it's cooperative online as well so you can okay. kind of host like a, a party so like four people with different switches at home can play which makes Ooh. it you know awesome but it's also perfect for couch co-op too yeah uh so i've played both i've played it both ways and it's it's kind of short but it's hard enough that it actually lasts a while it's probably worth replaying it's a few times totally it's worth replaying there's a lot of secrets that are hidden in there that Ooh. after you've played a little bit you'll remember something and then go yeah. back a couple of levels to find that secret again so well, it almost it. has a little bit of Metroidvania a, stuff in it. A little bit, just yeah. a touch. More on unlocking all of your abilities and talents. Um, but it's got a mastery chart, and as soon as you actually you know, use a weapon or a skill enough, you'll have a permanent upgrade, which actually spans across all of your characters, no matter who you play. So it's worth playing through essentially every character so you actually get some value sure. out of that. That's awesome. It is, a, That's... it is a great game. It's like $15 nice. on Switch, and it's totally worth it. We should find a way to play sometime. Yeah. Like yes, I we should. Still haven't played Towerfall, but I really want to. But yeah. one of the things that stopped me is that it's like it's kind of hard. I don't think you can play online. I don't know if it's available because it's so tactical that right. it's like it's so twitchy that it would be hard to play uh, online. But a game like like this uh, sounds really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yes, we should find a way to play it because yeah. it's it's very very fun for sure. So that's Full Metal Furies. Full Metal Furies. Nice, and it's on Switch and. Yeah. Switch just on Switch? And, uh, Switch and Steam. I don't know what else. Switch and Steam. Cool. Nice. I, I love that. I want to play that one. Uh, awesome. And uh, if you're listening at home and you have a pick and you think listeners would enjoy uh, or a trivia topic idea or anything else you want to reach in touch with us on Instagram or anything else, uh, you can follow the email at thingsthegotwrong at gmail.com. Uh, the website is thingsthegotwrong.com and the Instagram is thingsthegotwrong. We've been doing more and more and more on Instagram and connecting with people. I've been really excited about that. It's been really cool. Rachel has been killing it over there. Thank you, Rachel. Yes, if you want to talk to me, 
please reach out to the Instagram. Well, talk to us. Give us your own trivia topics uh, you want us to bring into future episodes. Uh, and stay tuned. Our next episode will be around August 15th. I'm in October. This will come out around October 15th because that's what's <laughs> written in front of me. Uh, it's tough enough because we do it twice a month, but it's not necessarily every other week. We just try to find what is a good time. So stay tuned to that. Uh, thanks again to the team here. This is fun. We seriously need to do this more often. We need this to find a way fun. to do live and at the table with the uh, cicadas buzzing around us. Uh, and until the next episode, we'll see everybody later. Bye.